exploring the many paths into business aviation as NBAA celebrates Black History Month and champions diversity across our industry. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for business aviation news. February is Black History Month, an annual celebration of achievements by African Americans and a time for recognizing their significant contributions throughout U.S. history. Today, we're highlighting the experiences of three African American members of the business aviation community to learn more about what drew them to the industry and how they've progressed in their careers so far. My story is very unconventional. I never, in my 18 years of living, once thought about being a pilot. It's something I just never ever thought of, never thought was possible. That's Shanita Polk, who currently flies right seat on a Cessna Citation Excel. All through high school, I wanted to be a veterinarian. And when I got to my senior year, I actually started looking into the requirements for veterinarian and how much like math and science is involved. And that is not my strong suit. So I was like, maybe that route is not for me. So um, I knew I wanted to go to the University of Illinois in uh, Urbana-Champaign. And I was looking through the degrees that they had and I saw pilot. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting, that's different. And I remember talking about it with my mom and I was like, you know, I never thought about being like a flight attendant. And it was my mom who was actually like, well, maybe you should be when I be the pilot. And I was like, well, why not? And so I went to college to be a pilot. <laughs> also joining us is Mike Johnson, a UAS program planner with the Minnesota Department of Transportation's Office of Aeronautics. His entry into aviation was a family affair. I got interested in aviation from my dad. My dad was a pilot and a maintenance manager for Northwest Airlines. So growing up, we were always at the airport flying somewhere with the discount flights for my dad as an airline employee. He got into aviation from the Air Force. I was a mechanic in the Air Force. And when he got out, he used his mechanic skills to build his own airplane. He built an experimental, very easy in our garage. So I have a a picture of me as a little kid standing next to this airplane as it's being built. And just knowing that my dad did that, that was really the spark of my interest in, in aviation and flying. And the summer after graduating high school is when I started my flight training to get my private pilot's license. And I've been a pilot ever since. My third guest is Jordan Larkins, a Part 91 and 135 corporate pilot. Jordan, what first caught your interest about aviation? Kind of similar to Mike, except the only difference for me was my, my granddad. He was in the Navy, and he was uh, also maintenance. I grew up in Southern California, and he used to take me out to the base all the time and to the airport all the time. And I tell the story all the time, like I'll never forget. I saw the C5 Galaxy. I heard, it, I heard an engine or something spool up, real loud noise. I saw it taxi away in the other direction, and about five minutes later, I hear a loud noise, and a plane goes whizzing by, and it was that same airplane. And I basically said to him, that's what I want to do one day. So here we are. What was the most challenging part for you about joining the aviation community, Jordan? It's definitely the money. The money and the research, doing the research on exactly where to go, finding the right school, the right fit for you. The school part was easy for me because I decided to, I didn't go to a, a university with a flight program. So... I was in college when I did it, and I had to basically figure out how to pay for college and flying at the same time. And I didn't want to wait until I graduated, essentially, to get started because I knew I'd be a few years behind, right? So I was a scholarship athlete at the University of Texas, and 
you know, I've been wanting to fly for such a long time. And I basically went into my coach's office and said, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to start flying airplanes. And he said, you know, take some time and think about it. And I really, I really did think about it. And then that entire summer, I worked two full-time valet jobs, parked and retrieved cars for, for the whole summer and made about eight or 9,000 bucks. And I used that money to pay for the majority of my flight training. And that's kind of what started it. I had the help of some family and through my, my mom, primarily, we, we used it. We did a credit line in order to help get the, the training done and um, to help supplement even more of that training and build flight hours um, in the meantime, before I started the next rating, I worked full-time at Best Buy and sold computers, cameras, iPads, all of that stuff. And, you know, answered any, any question you had about a computer or a camera or any iPad or something like that, that was kind of my specialty. So that's kind of how I did it. I did it all throughout school and I was extremely broke doing it, but if I had to do it all over again, I would. Shanita, I understand the challenge you faced was one many pilots deal with at the very beginning of their training. I went into there the first day knowing absolutely nothing. And so because of that, I struggled through. And I didn't know anybody in aviation. I didn't know any pilots or anything like that. So I was literally going in there like on my own by myself. And that was a challenge. It was many times I wanted to quit. And uh, I was like, well, maybe this is not for me. So overcoming that was like the one, my lack of confidence. Just like, well, maybe I'm not understanding this. Maybe I'm, I'm not smart enough for this. But with my own determination and the motivation of my mom and finally like having a sh- I had two instructors that really like um, made an effort to make sure that I passed and they did everything they could, extra sessions, extra studying. And with like all those three factors, I was able to finally pass and get my private. And then from there on now, I was able to kind of move on. Once I kind of fully grasped the whole concept of aviation, Everything else, getting the instrument, the commercial, and multi kind of uh, came natural. And Mike, please tell us a bit more about the path that led you into aviation. One of the most challenging parts of getting started in aviation for me was kind of deciding what I wanted to do. That summer after graduating, while I was just starting my flight training, I had uh, help just paying for that initial private pilot course from the small group of, of black pilots that my dad knew. They would meet maybe once a month or so at the airport. A couple of them owned their own airplanes, and they all chipped in to help me pay for my private certificate. So that was extremely helpful in getting me started. And along with that, I knew I had an interest in some type of aviation job. I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. So I I took a job at the gift shop at the Minneapolis airport and worked there for a few months. And then I worked for Northwest Airlink, Express One Airlines, loading bags. And I I took a series of entry-level aviation jobs. Another thing was, I guess, the funding for flight training. When I started college, I started at Inver Hills Community College just because my grades were, were not that up. I was not a great student in high school, but I knew I wanted to go to college, so I started with community college. And at that time, they had an air traffic control program, a professional pilot program, or an aviation business program. And I'm like, well, I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket with the pilot program, so I will start with the air traffic control program because I was also interested in that. And as I would continue in my other smaller jobs at the airport, talking to pilots and things, and 
by the time I was working as a flight attendant, getting my experience as an airline crew member, flying and staying different places, and just getting some experience doing that, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do the professional pilot route. So I guess just deciding what you want to do and, and exploring different options, that was challenging. Just getting started. I continued going to school, and after several years of not being the best student, I focused my efforts and finally finished my two-year degree after long after two years. But at that time, I had ADSAT tests for air traffic control uh, and was on the eligibility list for becoming a controller, and I decided to continue going to school. So I took the distance learning option at, at Embry-Riddle for aviation management, and I started working at the Minneapolis airport at the airport commission. So I started entry-level position at the taxi booth. So ground transportation, telling people which taxi cabs to get in uh, over by the hotel shuttles and things, and also talking and networking and learning about airport management. I would talk to the operations managers. I'd go on ride-alongs with the folks that were working there doing runway inspections and things like that. I did training session with the airport fire department, their live burn training, and I got the professional certification from the uh, American Association of Airport Executives, AAAE, so I'm a certified member with that organization. And I, I kept applying for the airport operations management positions to try and get into that. So after about five years or so of actively pursuing that and applying again, the standards Minimal requirements for that position changed. A bachelor's degree in aviation went from being preferred to required, which was fine because I was going to school and I finished that degree. And I decided to continue on for a master's degree in public administration. But after nine years with the airport commission, I, I moved on to work for the state of Minnesota. We'll have more with our guests in just a moment. But first, this word from NBAA. NBAA Flight Plan listeners, if you value the expertise you get from your weekly podcast, we've got a way for you to get answers from experts live. Our NBAA NewsHour webinars give you access to the best operational, legal, technical, and other guidance for business aviation. Participate today by visiting nbaa.org slash newshour. We're back now with Mike Johnson, Shanita Polk, and Jordan Larkins, and our discussion about their experiences as African Americans in finding roles within business aviation. Mike, you were describing a bit about the challenges you faced as you entered the industry. Once you had established that foothold, what steps did you take to advance through your career? I guess once getting my foot in the door in aviation, you know, while going to school as a private pilot, getting the professional certifications, networking with people, and eventually finding a place within the aviation industry to succeed. It was just not giving up. There were a lot of points where I felt that I didn't belong, or I felt that I wasn't good enough to do something. But to continue pushing forward and working towards being successful, even though it's hard and there's not a lot of black people in the aviation industry. There's not a lot of women in the aviation industry. And when you're surrounded by folks that don't look like you or have a different background, it's sometimes it's hard to see yourself in a certain role. But I feel that I've overcome that by just asking questions and talking to people and just pushing forward with what it is that I want to achieve and not giving up. Does that mirror your experiences as well, Jordan? 
Yes, Mike is absolutely right. I felt the exact same way. There were many, many times throughout this entire process, and I guess even even as most you know recent, especially for me, because you, you you don't really see as many blacks on my side of aviation. You t- you tend to see more of the the black pilots and the personnel on the the airline side, right? So I completely agree and understand what Mike is saying. And I felt the same way. There are many times where it would get hard, you know, and you start to question yourself, can, can you really do this? Can I really do this? And there's people you want to talk to and maybe the things you want to talk to them about are more personal on a, on a more personal level because you're maybe someone who doesn't look like you as an understanding, right? And so, it, you know, it wasn't really until I started to meet a lot more black pilots and personnel in the industry that you start to start to feel like and and really realize like you know i i really can do it this is something i can do i I really do want to do this so that's real i definitely felt that just like mike said you know if you really want to do something you don't achieve success overnight you don't achieve it by going 50 percent it's you know 110 percent all the way all or nothing that's what makes you successful and so there will be speed bumps on the way, which I tell everybody, but you got to get over the speed bumps. Or for me, like a great analogy is, is track, because I, I was a track athlete. There's, if there's a hurdle in front of you, you got to get over it. You got to figure it out, but you got to get over the hurdle and get to the finish line. Shanita, what about you? I was a flight instructor for a bit. I went out to Maryland and flight instructor for a bit, but then I took the year off to have my son. And then um, just getting back into the industry, I, I just felt like, man, I was like, well, maybe I want to, you know, kind of stay out of it for a little bit and, and be a mom and raise my kid. Cause being gone, well, you're from the aviation industry. So being gone all the time, I wasn't know if I was ready for that yet. So, you know, just be up and gone, but just reminding myself why I started it in the first place, how I had a passion for it, how I really enjoyed it and trying to find a work life balance and having a support system. That was a huge part is having a support system. And I was able to do my next job, which was uh, aerial mapping. And with the aerial mapping job, it was, eight days on and six days off for the six days off either i'll have my mom watch him or actually my uh, son dad will actually have him for the majority of it he was still very active and involved i was on in there about a year and a half and then the company that was hiring us they didn't resign our contract so that department got shut down so i went back to flight instructing so i did that about a year and then i actually went to the airline i was there for two years on the embryo 175 so when the, the whole COVID thing, I was supposed to upgrade in July and then like that didn't happen. At that point, I started looking for other jobs. So I was like, okay, like I don't want to wait, you know, see maybe the union will uh, come up with some type of agreement so we don't get furloughed. I was like, I don't want to play last minute just in case they don't and I don't have a job. So in the while um, the month period of waiting, I actually look, I was looking for other jobs. And on this Facebook group that I'm in, like this uh, corporate job listing uh, group, they, the company I'm with had a posting about looking for first officers for the fleet. They had like uh, Cessation Excels and Sovereigns, Encores. And so I actually attempted uh, my resume and applied and it got back to me. I interviewed and I got the position. Kind of lucky, you know, to actually be one of few people to technically have two jobs in this right now in this crazy time. So I'm super blessed. <laughs> Indeed. So, Shanita, what advice do you have for someone who may be facing similar challenges in pursuing their own aviation career? The biggest thing I can think of is having, like, a support system. Not necessarily, like, to happen through your life, but have someone you can talk to 
reach out to if you're having like difficulty with like a subject or a maneuvering thing someone you can you, you can be like hey like i'm not understanding this can you kind of help me explain it or you know something like that so having someone that's kind of veteran in the field and not just with flight training was trying to make a job decision like i've been thinking about doing this job like you know can you tell me more have you done it like can you tell me more about it you know how did you like it what's the pros because again i didn't have that so i I went to aviation just by myself blind and, and I struggled because of it. Definitely having someone you can um, rely upon, you can reach out to, have someone to check in on you. I think that's like, the, from my experience, that would have made all the difference when I first started. I have a lot of, uh, a few people that I keep tiles on and they reach out to me if they have any questions and stuff. I know how to, I, I, I know firsthand experience being in that position, how it feels. So I am always, welcoming people to reach out to me, call me, text me, do whatever you need. And I promise I'll get back to you. And if I don't know the answer, I will find someone who will. Just a array of things you can do in this industry. Mike, what advice would you like to share? Don't be afraid to reach out and ask questions just to learn about what you don't know. And just in having conversations with with people and and listening to their experience uh, that you can learn things that you can use to move forward in, in your own career. Don't be afraid to try new things. Keep exploring options and don't be afraid to seek help and, and ask questions. And when you feel like you don't belong or you feel that you're not good enough, those are things that can be overcome. And you don't have to listen to those negative feelings or, or let those perceptions, whether they're real or imagined, hold you back. And Jordan, your final thoughts? Kind of piggyback a little bit off of what Mike's saying. It's definitely important for anyone, right, to ask questions, to do the research, speak up, and don't be afraid. This is one of those careers that you have to put a lot of thought into it, a lot of time, and a lot of money into it to get things started. Um, there's a lot of sacrifices that go with it. Again, it's, it's reach out, ask questions, do the research. Networking is a huge thing. That uh, I definitely credit a lot of my uh, success so far to networking and talking and meeting to different people. I mean, I, I'm even creative. I mean, I remember one time I was looking for a job and I got on, and not just Google looking for jobs in my area. I mean, I would get on Google and if I wanted to work around the airport, I, I may go on Google Maps and zoom in so far to where the businesses pop up on the map and I could click and see, you know, exactly what the business means and maybe apply there. So you got to be creative and think outside the box. You know, you, you got to go to lengths to get exactly what you want in order to achieve that success. As we continue working to make business aviation a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive industry, it's worth considering our own individual experiences that drew us to this career path. No two of our stories are exactly alike, yet they do share similar themes. And above all, I think they all demonstrate a unifying passion that led us to and keeps us working in this industry. You can learn more about NBAA's efforts supporting diversity, equity, and inclusion throughout business aviation at nbaa.org diversity. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts in the App Store, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including by asking Alexa or another connected device, or download them from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for a new episode of Flight Plan. Flight Plan.